What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey, how you doing? This is King Firehawk from the King Firehawk Show. Just telling you, hey, 1640 PWPR is the home of Pro Wrestling Podcast Radio. If you want to interact with the shows, all you got to do is tweet us at 1640PWPR. Or you can go onto our Facebook page. It's a fan page and we're waiting for you. It's 1640PWPR, the home where Pro Wrestling Podcast Radio lives. And in a moment, ladies and gentlemen, we shall be joined by... A rather controversial individual, to say the least. Oh, undoubtedly. Um, unusual? I don't know. Is there something wrong? Does he have complete control of his mental faculties? Or is all this a ploy just to make his name the biggest name anybody has ever seen? He's a man. Such a man. Such a man. I wish I was the monster you think I am. I wish I had enough poison for the whole pack of you. I would gladly give my life to watch you all swallow it. He's a man. Such a man. Such a man. I don't live by applauds or by booze. I live by the green, brother. Money. So, uh... Money is the name of the game. I'm not looking for applause. I'm not looking for love. I'm not looking to shake your hand. You don't have to put your hand out to me. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for the green. I'm looking for the bread. I'm looking to do what's right. And I'm looking to project my name. Ladies and gentlemen, you are about to bear witness to an historic event. A historic coronation. Behold the king. The king of kings. Your knees, it's good to be king. It's good to be king. It's good to, it's good to, it's good to be king. Hear ye, hear ye, friends, fans, and loyal subjects. You are about to witness the most important coronation in the history of the world. You have witnessed royal weddings, inaugurations. But this coronation eclipses them. Please welcome the dynamic and explosive superstar attraction himself. This is... King Firehawk, how are you? Hey, I am so pumped for tonight's show. As many of you know, and maybe uh, lots of you don't know, being new to 1640 PWPR, Pro Wrestling Podcast Radio, and more, um, I've been doing this for quite some time. 2006 is when I started doing podcasting. I remember back then 
we were on MySpace as using that for promotion. That's how long ago that was. But in 2006, I was on a show called the King, excuse me, the Three Kings Show, and that was myself, King Firehawk, along with uh, King Rat Bastard and King Salzy. And as the years progressed, and you know, guys got families and had to do different things and all that. We had uh, the one and only Baxter Race, good buddy of mine, join the Three Kings show. And we ran for a while from 2006, I would say probably hmm, to about 2009-ish. Many versions, many different hosts on the Three Kings show. And I was all uh, in with that. And then uh, in 2000, hmm. 10, 11, it's so hard to remember these days. I had my little stint on AM radio in 1640. AM radio, Ironbound radio. Well, all the time that I've been podcasting, and eventually the Three Kings show became uh, my solo act, King Firehawk show. Still talk to all those guys that were on the Three Kings shows uh, in different... uh, Scenarios and versions all these years, and I am drinking more MGD as you know. Uh, my new thing, my new partner is Miller Genuine Draft. As we do these shows, it's King Firehawk and MGD. <laughs> so I am enjoying a beverage, and you should be too as well. I mean, come on, we're only here on this planet a short time. Look her up, I say. Anyway, so I'm going through my computer, cleaning up a lot of files that were lost or missing and trying to condense everything and I found an old Three Kings show from 2006 and it was labeled wrong and turns out on this show was a hidden interview with a professional wrestler Mr. Hughes big cat Mr. Hughes um, Curtis Hughes he wrestled in AWA the NWA the WWF ECW Uh, he worked with everyone on top and I got to tell you, it pissed me off back then because when we did this interview, and then I could not find it for years, uh, I was pissed because of all. One of the things I hate doing is booking guests. I hate booking guests. I hate the anxiety that comes with trying to book guests. And when we used to be on a schedule where we were always going to air at this certain time, this place, and you need to do live interviews, oh my God, the cancellations were, you know, always happening. And I think that's now a lot why in podcasting, as I enjoy just flipping the switch and going on my own pace and every now and then doing a live show and, and here and there. And uh, But I remember the Three Kings show, we were we were doing really well for a while. We had good listening base, good download base. For some reason, in the beginning of the podcast era, we were uh, being podcast all over the world a lot. Australia was like our number one listening audience. And it was strange. But that was bringing the world closer. It was a very amazing thing. But anyway, I could not find a Mr. Hughes interview. I never heard it back. We did the show. Never got to listen to it again and all that. So by sheer luck from 2006, and here we are in 2015, all these years later, I found the darn interview. And I gave it a quick listen. And I have to tell you, it does not sound dated at all. It's as if I booked Mr. Hughes tonight and we had a conversation about his career. Only a couple of questions 
are dated. Like at the time, Vince was bringing ECW back to television, and I was kind of asking Mr. Hughes about that. But for the most part, uh, it was pretty much an interview that is timeless. And I'm excited for that because here tonight on the King Firehawk Show on 1640 PWPR, I'm going to air an entire interview for you. And I will listen back with you as we listen to the first time I've ever really heard the thing in its entirety. As I told you, I quickly listened to clips of it today to see how the file sounded and all that. And I am very fond of this interview because he was a cool guy to book. I had a great conversation, I remember, before I booked the guy. We talked for a while about college football. Then we had a great interview on air, and then off air, a day or two later, I was uh, talking to him because he had a project coming up, and he was going to be part of one of those big um, you know, wrestling shows where they get all the guys to do the signings on it. And uh, we talked off air for a little bit. And then just through the years, I think I had him back once or twice. Always a good guy, solid guy, can count on him. Great interview, fun to talk to. And now it's in an era where, like I said, we use MySpace and all this technology was starting to build up. It was uh, it was a fun time and a fun interview, one of my favorites. On the interview with me on this particular night when we were doing the Three Kings show uh, was Baxter Race, a good buddy of mine who was like an out-to-lunch wrestling fan because he knew pop culture and sports but didn't know much wrestling. So the few times he, he does interact in here. He doesn't really know what I'm talking about, which was great for the show back then because when we had all the wrestlers on, I was the only one who really knew all about all the wrestlers and everything. That was my expertise that I thought I brought to the Three Kings show. And Baxter knew about you know sports and other things. He didn't know anything about wrestling. And then the other guys that would come in and out, none of them had the knowledge I had of wrestling. Like, I didn't have the knowledge of college football and so forth like the other guys. Anyway. And, uh... Yeah, so here's the interview. I'm very proud of it. It's very fun. I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll come away with a more more respect, or maybe you'll come away with more likability for him. As uh, he worked with everybody, the Undertaker, all the big names. He has a great story about working with Sandman and ECW. Um, and it's one of the few times when I listen to something back. From a long time ago that I don't cringe at, at my style or my talking. Because it's, you know, anyone who's honest can tell you it's hard to listen back to yourself do any shows. Sometimes, you know, you're just like, you pick apart. You're very, you're your biggest critic. But this one I, I really enjoyed and liked. And I'm glad I found it. And it's here for you to enjoy. And it kind of pumped me up to maybe start booking some more guests like that. Like I said, I, I love doing the producing, the editing, the promotion, everything else you can think of here at 1640 PWPR, but I am the worst booker and hate booking guests. Just be, and then when I get them, I'd rather just interview them there and air the interviews, you know, when we do them. But anyway, enjoy. So without further ado, it is I, King Firehawk, with my buddy Baxter Race on an old school interview with Mr. Hughes. And it was, uh, you'll probably hear reference things like could be some commercials or could be uh, show references to what we were doing back then. So, you know, pay no mind. This is the current version of 2015 of the King Firehawk show, starring yours truly, King Firehawk, here on 1640 PWPR. 
And uh, welcome to the show, the one and only, the big cat, Mr. Hughes, here on 1640 PWPR. Hey, I'm doing pretty good, and I understand, man. Let me tell you something. Don't you ever call me Curtis. It's total protection, Mr. Hughes, too. You understand me? <laughs> well, while we're getting to introductions, and you can call me Mr. Firehawk. All right, we'll think about it. Okay. And Mr. Race. And that's right. We're also with Baxter Race, and he prefers Mr. Race. Yeah, All Mr. Right. Race. I well, just found out I'm related to Harley Race. You know Harley Race, Mr. Hughes? Yeah, I know Harley Race pretty well. I thought it was a girl. No, Harley Race is not a girl. A guy, you want me to call him on the three-way, do you? <laughs> I'll tell him what you said, and we'll get your address, and we'll both come down there and beat you down like we did. Oh, boy. I apologize. boys in the wrestling business. I apologize, Mr. Hughes. Yeah, you better, my goodness. Baxter is up on pop culture. He knows a little bit of wrestling, so he'll be educated tonight, learning a little bit about Mr. Hughes. Uh-huh. So, Mr. Hughes, you've probably done millions of wrestling uh, interviews. How many of them start with a question like this that I'm about to ask you? I want to know a little bit about your college football career. Okay. Now, I understand you were a nose guard, and you played for the uh, Kansas State college football team. Yep, Kansas State Wildcats, that's right. We're big uh, Rutgers fans from this part of New Jersey, and uh, when I was looking over the records from 83 to 88, a lot of tough losses and uh, a lot of hard games. And my first question to a guy like you, because Rutgers is very similar to your program, except they're not winning big time uh, now like uh, you guys are there. How, how do you motivate yourself to play, like, Oklahoma and lose 70 to 24? What is that like? Well, you know, I mean, uh, when we played, uh, of course, back in those days, it was Big H, you know. So mm. you always look forward to playing the Big H schools. The other schools outside of that didn't really matter. It's just uh, what mattered was uh, winning the Big H conference. And uh, when we played uh, Oklahoma, Nebraska, all those big-time schools, you know, you get fired up. And uh, we always played those guys pretty tough, you see. They just didn't come in our backyard and just beat us, you know. Mm. You know, and, uh, you know, I was a tough, mean SOB, so they had to triple-team me all the time. You know, just like in the wrestling business, you know, it takes, you know, it takes quite a few guys to get me down, and that uh, happened the same way in college, you know. And I used to look forward to to playing uh, those guys because uh, they were bigger and they really – being that the size that they were, uh, it helped you uh, determine how how really good you was. You know what I mean? Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you this: Were you uh, who who recruited you? Was it Jim Coach Jim Dickey? Uh, yeah, it was uh, Coach Dickey. Yeah, him and uh, uh, a few other guys uh, that were there at the time. It's been so long, you know. I kind of slipped my mind on the main guys that recruited me, but of course he came down. Uh, to my house, and quite a few coaches came down because I was a blue chipper and parade and the Adidas and McDonald All American, and uh, you know, so I was pretty, I was highly recruited all over the country, wanted uh, by a lot of different teams, you know. So a lot of the coaches came down to talk to my mom and me because they wanted me pretty bad, and uh, of course, you know, you get five visits to go to school to visit uh, for one weekend to see if you uh, like that school enough to sign the letter of intent to come down and be a part of their program. And uh, I took the five visits, and Oklahoma was one of them, but uh, when I went to K-State, it was close to home. And my family could come watch me play, so I went there. Now, if you uh, did, was a part of your playing time, do you think you would have played more at Oklahoma or a lot less compared to Kansas? Well, uh, like I said, I was pretty talented, so it didn't matter. You know, oh, that, I was good okay. at football, so 
that wasn't the point. The point was I wanted my mom and brothers and sisters to be able to come and see me play, you know, because it wasn't that far from K-State to Kansas City where I'm from. See. Who was the who was the toughest guy that you ever went up against uh, in those big crunches on the line there? Uh, well, uh, let me see. Uh, shoot, man, I'll tell you, that's, <laughs> that's a good question because, like I say, I've been out of college so long, you know, and a lot of those guys uh, kind of forgot, you know, but as far as the guys that ran the ball and, and stuff like that, Mike Rozier, you know, um, he was pretty good. But, you know, like when I played, you know, guys triple-teamed and double-teamed me all the time because I was pretty, you know, held my ground pretty good up there on that line, see. So they, they ran away from me a lot, you know. I hear you. You know, so I really, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> I was a son of a gun. There you say. go. Now, during your playing uh, football days, you're going to college, you're playing at uh, Kansas State. Did you, when did you think about getting into wrestling business or approached on it, or did you want to get in? How did all that come around for you? Well, uh, what happened was, uh, when I was a younger fella, uh, my dad used to take my brothers and sisters uh, to, uh, to wrestling shows in Kansas City at Memorial Hall. That's where the wrestling took place. And... Uh, Back in those days, you know, wrestling was real, real, real hot, you see. Mm. And back in those days, you know, people really believed everything they saw. And my dad used to take my brothers and sisters. And um, and uh, one day I went, and I just fell in love with it right then and there, you know, not knowing that further on down the trough that, uh, you know, I'd be doing it, you know. But it, something jumped in my spirit about it, and uh, it, it manifested uh, when I got grown, you see, uh, you know, uh, after I played all the sports in high school and then went and played a little college ball four years, I, uh, towards my last year in college, I started getting some uh, literature about it and uh, started uh, trying to get uh, get on the right avenue about getting in it. And one day uh, I had a visit down uh, at Kansas State, and they were playing Oklahoma that day. And Steve Dr. Death Williams was down down in the other end zone stretching with his team. And I knew that he wrestled uh, while he was in college. And I said, well, here's my, here's my opportunity to go get some information on how to get into business. Wow, I never knew. I never realized he was wrestling at the same time he was still at Oklahoma, huh? Yeah, 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 he sure was. And, oh, wow. Uh, and I knew this. And so I went down and uh, got his attention and uh, told him that I'd be going to visit Oklahoma the following week. And, of course, Oklahoma wanted me real bad, so that was a plus, you know. And, of course, they stuck me with him on the visit, and I had a long talk with him about how I was interested in getting into wrestling business. And so he told me, uh, he asked me uh, if I knew Bob Geico, which is at that time was the promoter in Kansas City. And everybody that, uh, every wrestler that you could imagine, like Ric Flair, Dusty Rose, mm-hmm. Rays, our Jones, I'm talking about, I can go on and on, Andre the Giant. Yeah, Everybody it's a went to territory. Kansas City, you see, right? and worked for this promoter. And I didn't know this, but when I was in high school, uh, he followed my athletic career all the way up into college. Ah, wow. Once I, once I got in contact with him, make a long story short, uh, Steve Williams told me about the, uh, Bob Geigel in Kansas City, gave me his number and said, give him a call. And I gave him a call, and uh, he knew exactly who I was, you know. And he goes, yeah, I've been following you for a long time. 
And he goes, I, I said, yeah, I'm interested in getting into business. I'm finishing up school. And he goes, well, once you get done, give me a call. We'll see what we can do. Now, and when, when the rest is history. <laughs> when you're just thinking about entering the wrestling business, like uh, I talk to a lot of wrestlers. Uh, I've been to a lot of indie shows where I see guys that are purely do it for love because they're never going to make it anywhere. Mm-hmm. What? What does your family think when you go into business? Because it's hard to make a living off it. It's hard. I mean, you really succeeded, and we'll get into that later for all the people you worked for and the main guys that you worked with. Uh-huh. How, do you have to convince your family that you're going into wrestling? I mean, is that a hard sell for you? No, it wasn't. Uh, you know, like I said, I was a good athlete uh, from, you know, my younger days and from the sixth grade. Uh, you know, I was kind of chubby, but... Uh, uh, my mom and my dad were split up, so they used to. I used to have to go to Chicago to be with him in the summer. And two of my brothers were athletes. And uh, one day I uh, was uh, sitting down with my older brother, year older than me, and asked him uh, about uh, if he could show me how to work out and lift weights. You see, that's cool. And uh, he said, "Sure, I would." And he started. He showed me how to do all that. And and uh, then I kind of, you know, took off. You know, started growing and. Getting, my body started shaping up and everything, and uh, next thing you know, uh, I was in the seventh grade and started wrestling and playing football in, in junior high school, and uh, you know, it just everything just stuck off after that. All right, now we got some fan mail for you, and I'm going to bounce around on a few different subjects, talk about your wrestling career. Mm-hmm. But uh, Baxter, why don't you throw uh, a fan uh, mail towards uh, Mr. Hughes first, and then we'll move on with uh, getting to know him. Okay, uh, we have an email from uh, Eric from San Antonio, Texas. Wants to know who did you have the hardest time working with in the ring? Who I had the hardest time working with? Yeah. Well, let me see. Uh, hmm, the hardest person I ever had a time working with was the Sandman. Really? Oh. I've heard that a lot, actually, with different guys. Yeah, the Sandman, he's not too talented as <laughs> far as the wrestling goes. Uh, I remember him back in the old uh, ECW days. And you were there pretty much in the beginning of it, if yes, I recall. Yes, I was. I was there very pretty much at the beginning. I got a call from Paul E. one day. Uh, uh, he was talking about, he was telling me that he was going to open up this territory and that he wanted me to be one of his main stars. At first I thought it was a rib until he uh, <laughs> sent a plane ticket and uh, finally went up there. And, uh, and lo and behold, it was a true deal, but... You know, of course, every business starts out from the ground. you got to work your way up. And uh, I can remember when that company first started out, they had about like five or six lights, you know, uh, <laughs> red and blue. And yeah, I've been in that arena. That arena didn't get much better, believe yeah. me. <laughs> well, it did. It picked up just a little bit. I mean, we started out, it looked like we was in an abandoned school gym. <laughs> had about ten people in the audience. And uh, like I said, you know, Sandman was my first victim up there. And now, uh, was he, uh, do you find him hard to work with because he just was, you you worked with the best of the best, right. Undertaker and whatnot, because he was so raw, was it because he was a little intoxicated in the ring? Well, he was just green, you know, I'm proud of those people, fans out there know what green means, but uh, that's the talk we talk in wrestling about a guy that doesn't know too much. So uh, he was he was real green, but they tried to use what they had as far as, you know, uh, you know, has. Sandman, Tommy Dreamer, you know, the Dudley Boys, and, you know, Steve Richard, all those guys, when I first started, used to be in the back training in a ring in this warehouse, you see? Mm. And so, <laughs> once I got there, I was like, boy, I wonder what this going to be like. <laughs> well, and it turned out to be something. 
Now, let me ask you this. Do you, the, as crazy as the wrestling was there, the hardcore stuff, and the, mm -hmm. they're attempting to bring it back, you know, in some form and all that, did, did you like that style of wrestling for yourself, or did you, did you feel it too dangerous or... Yeah, you know, no, I didn't like that, because my thing is, I, I'm not in it to get hurt. I'm in it to make a living and live life good and enjoy entertaining the people. I'm not in it to bust up my bones and to get, you know, gigs all on my head and gashes everywhere and bones broken. Mm -hmm. I'm not in it for that. But so let me ask you this. Your, your character, you play a tough guy uh, mm -hmm. all your life, Mr. Hughes, and you are a tough guy, tough guy in the gridiron. So when you go to ECW and you've been a tough guy all along where, let's say, a chair shot would not knock you down. There, guys taking four, five, six chair shots and laughing. Did you find that counterproductive and uh, stuff like that that you saw going on? Well, I just, found, I just found that just a little too much. That's why, that's why it faded out after a few years. There's something like a fad going on. Mm. That's just like, you know, these young kids today where their britches pulled down the butt. You know, it was just a fad going on at the time. That's why a lot of guys didn't last after they didn't did all that falling off top of buildings, getting up hit on hitting up on the side of the head with a shovel and all this other craziness. You know, I mean, you know, your longevity is a little limited when you uh, abuse your body that way. And I've been doing this going on 20 years, and uh, I've never been injured, you know, seriously. You, are you good out today after all those years? Right, I don't indulge in all that craziness. That's why the, the first time when Paulie came and asked me about it, I said, no, I can't do that. You know, I'm not in it for that. I, I don't do that kind of violence in my character. You know, I got family to feed, so I'm not here to get right. hurt, you know. And uh, that's when the first time I left, you know, the company. Now, now that it's coming back, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it's going to work? Do you think Vince will take it to new levels? Do you want to be part of it? What are you feeling? Yeah, about? I'd like to be part of it. Uh uh, I'm talking to him right now, trying to uh, cool. see what we can work out on that. Uh, you know, because like I said, I was one of the originals in the ECW, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people remember that. And uh, it's like pulling teeth right now, but, you know, uh, that's what it takes to when you're trying to do business with a big company like that. You know, you just got to keep banging and keep banging on the door until somebody opens it. You know what I mean? All right. So let's go to another. Baxter, what else uh, had the fans wrote in for? Uh, we're on with Mr. Hughes on the Three Kings show. All right. We have one from uh, Sam from uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, wants to know what's the hardest thing about being a wrestler? Well, the hardest thing about being a wrestler is, is not working. <laughs> That's the hardest thing because once you uh, start this stuff, it gets in your blood and... Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the funnest job I could say on the on the planet besides being a DJ on the radio station. You know, this is the best job. You get to travel, see the country. Uh, you know, they pay you for your for your service, and uh, you know, uh, they take care of everything. And uh, you just get to travel and see the world, man. And it's an unbelievable job. You know, when I first got in this here sport, I didn't figure that I was going to go that far, but uh, uh, you know, grace of God, I did. You know. You bring up a good good point right there because you, in WCW, you uh, were with Race, you worked with Luger, you were in the big spots there. The WWE, you had a, a run with The Undertaker, you uh, did uh, your second run with uh, Chris Jericho, which is big. No, that was and, third run. Oh, uh, the third run. Yeah, second okay. run was with Triple H. That's right, that's right, when he was doing the uh, Greenwich gim uh, gimmick. Mm -hmm. Yep, you got it. So basically, we can, you know, Mr. Hughes is worked with all the big names. So that being said, do you feel uh, did you did you get enough time? It seems like you went from place to place to place, worked with the big guys. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, why is that? Did you think, did guys like your wrestling ethic, did they feel safe with you? How did you land working with all the big names? Well, you know, uh, uh, you know, at the time, uh, you know, like I said, I've, I've been an athlete all my life, and and uh, once I started in this sport, uh, started getting trained. My trainer was telling me that uh, I'm athletic, so the things that I was doing, a lot of big guys don't normally do, and that kind of stuck in my brain. So once I started performing in the ring after I got trained real good, I started doing all the things that big guys don't do, and uh, that caught a lot of big time promoters' eyes. And uh matter of fact, I was uh, had been in the business about a year. I had started uh, doing uh, WW, I mean uh, uh, AWA up in Minnesota for the mm. Ganyas. Uh, they come, they were coming on ESPN every uh, Monday at three o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, uh, a promoter up in Atlanta, which was uh, uh, Ole Anderson at the time. Yeah, he was. In charge when you were right. there. Right, he was the head booker, and uh, uh, Jody Hamilton, which was uh, assassin. He was the assistant booker, and he had called me one day and uh, asked uh, if I was interested in coming up and working an angle with Lex Luger. Of course, I thought it was a, a rib, you know, <laughs> what we say in wrestling. I thought it was a joke, so I called the number back. Therefore, lo and behold, it was the CNN WCW Championship Wrestling Office. Asked for Ole Anderson, and uh, he got on the phone and said, "Hey, uh, I've been checking you out on AWA. I like what you do. Uh, you know, you, we, we we can make a superstar out of you." And we started talking business, and the next thing you know, I was up here in Atlanta, Georgia, working an angle with Luger on television. Which organization did you do personally your best business-wise? Uh, I'd say my best business, uh, I'd say, was uh, WCW. Really? Wow. Yeah, but. But but once I left there, because you know uh, things change and bookers change and things like that. Was Jim Hurd there when you were there? Big part. Jim Hurd was he was he running the show when you Jim were still? Jim Hurd, yeah, Jim Hurd. No, Jim Hurd, Jim Hurd, Jim Hurd. A lot Jim of guys. See, I guess he was there uh, when uh, Flair had left and uh, and uh, the Horseman left. I think he was still in the office somewhere. Because uh, a lot of guys didn't seem to like working for him. Yeah. Well, you know, I didn't have any problems. Uh, uh, in my career there, you know, I mean, the only thing that they didn't allow me to do was talk because they wanted Luger. You know, once after after they stuck me with him, okay, first when I went in there, I was working against him because when I was in AWA, I had the same finish as he did, which was the torture rack. Mm. And uh, they were looking for somebody to work with Lex Luger because I guess they didn't went through all the guys that they can go through to, to help draw money for the company. And and they noticed that I did the same finish as Luger, which was a torture rack. And, and I got there, and we started doing tours, uh, having torture rack matches. And then uh, after that run was over, and then uh, Dusty came in and took over on the book, Dusty Rose. And uh, uh, he wanted, he came to me and said, I want to put a better character on you. Uh, uh, it'll be a bodyguard character, uh, kind of like Big Bubba. Uh, you know, and I said, oh, okay. And I said, well, when he told me that, I said, well, I can't not be the same as Big Bubba. i got to throw my own twist into it so I can have my own identity as far as a bodyguard and a character. And then he came and, and asked me to uh, come up with a name, you know, and uh, I sat down for a few hours and thought about what kind of name I could use for this character that he wanted me to come up with. And I said, how about Mr. Hughes? How is that? You know, he goes, oh, that's perfect. 
Where's some of the throwaway names that you didn't use? Do you have like any? Uh, no, I mean, uh, you know, I mean that, uh, you know, that's about the only one that really came to mind, really, after all that sitting, you know. Because cool. I was, because I, you know, because when I uh, came first there, I first got there, I, I was using uh, Big Cat, you know, and that was a little little knockoff from my college days mm. with the Wildcats. So when I first got in there, I called myself Big Cat Hughes, and, you know, and uh, and then that's when they, because I worked in tights and boots and everything. And then when they came to me about the new gimmick, that's when I changed it to when they wanted to be, me to do the bodyguard gimmick. That's when I decided to call myself Mr. Hughes, the bodyguard. You know? Well, it seemed like it worked for you because, like we said, you worked with some of the bigger names. Let's take another email. Baxter, what else you got for Mr. Hughes? All right. We have an, an OMC from the Lower East Side wants to know, how often did you sustain an injury in training or during the bout, and how did you cope with injuries uh, when scheduled to wrestle? Well, uh, you know, I didn't like I said, I didn't get hurt too much because, uh, you know, I've been an athlete all my life and I knew how to stretch and and I took time to stretch. A lot of guys just walk out there and just go to work, but you know, I, I didn't want to get injured any kind of way, so I, I had to stretch, you know, real well. But uh, I know a few times uh, I got hurt. Now, when I was in WCW, I didn't really get hurt, but when I got to WWF. You know, I started pulling muscles and things like that, you know. Is it because you were working more there, do you think? Well, no, we, we worked less. Because really? I, oh, wow. Yeah, we, when I was in WCW, we worked almost every day. Really? Wow, you guys are, that's the time when they were still going everywhere, huh? Yeah, yeah, we was going everywhere. We was on the road almost every day. We probably, probably had, you know, two days off. Wow, because that did change where WWE seemed to go everywhere. And, uh, right. WCW worked like two days, three days a week. Right, and then guys started, you know, crashing and dozing off and crashing, and they had to change that, you know, because they were running us too much. And then they started giving us, like, three days off, you know, Monday. We work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, off Thursday, Friday, go back to work Saturday, Sunday, you know, and do the whole cycle again. Do you have any guys that, that you wanted to work with that uh, you never got to? Well, I pretty much worked with everybody. I mean, uh, you know, when I was in WCW, I worked with everybody at the company. And then when I went to WWF, now now on my way to The Undertaker, I had to work with all the superstars there, mm. okay, working my way up to The Undertaker because Undertaker was the top star there at the time. Who was the champ at the time when you worked there? I oh, uh, I think Hogan was. Oh, he was still there, okay. Yeah. Did you ever get to work with Hogan? No, no, I never did get to work with Hogan, but, uh, but I knew him real well, you know. You sort of just missed him because that was like the end yeah. for him, right? Yeah, well, no, we were, were there. still there, but... But uh, he was on his way out. Right, because you know. he was, he, he was uh, it was near to his last uh, run before right, he went. Okay. Right, but, 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 you know, but I worked with the Macho Man, Bret Hart, uh, uh, Duggan, I mean, all the superstars there. It's funny that you bring up those names because a quick question comes to mind. What do you think of the Hall of Fame that Vince does with all these guys? Do you, uh, uh, does it mean anything to guys like you that work so hard in the business? Well, you know, you know, you, you, you sit here and you watch that and you go, man, you know, uh, I hope I, uh, you know, you know, uh, made an impact to where, you know, they'd be glad to put me up in there too, you know, one day, and uh, you know, but you know, you, you never know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'd like to be in uh, in the Hall of Fame there. I, I, I hope I put enough time in with the company to to have that, uh, you know, opportunity. Well, you have more time in there than Vern Gagne did. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. so there you go. You definitely got the time. Let me ask you this. Um, I asked Bam Bam Bigelow once, 
at what at the height of his popularity or fame, what did he ever gain off it in the outside world? And basically, he said, you know, being uh, famous, he went into a sneaker store once, and the kid hooked him up with like sweatshirts and jackets and stuff just because he was Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh-huh. And you know, a lot of guys tell me to get free food and free stuff. Somebody who told me uh, that uh, a guy, uh, I think, I think Iron Sheik told me once, somebody offered his wife to him. Uh-huh. So it's very crazy stuff. So with you, at the height of your fame, where, what's the most you ever sort of uh, was able to get off of that fame? Not even seeking it. Like, did anyone ever... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I got my car worked on. Uh, Hi, that's cool. Get my car worked on all the time, get my oil changed, tuned up all the time. You know, I'd go in there to pay, and then the guys realized who I was. And, of course, I always carry pictures, you know, in the car, just so, you know, somebody has to walk. Uh, smart I'd move. one. And uh, I went to this Jiffy Lube, I think it was. I don't know if it was Jiffy Lube, but it was some kind of oil change place. And uh, the guy recognized who I was, and uh, he was already working on my car. And uh, so he was done, and I went through the pay window. And uh, he goes, oh, no, no, I remember, no, you're Mr. Hughes. No, it's on me. It's on me. And I said, well, let me give you a picture. And then ever since then, every time he tell me, come back, I'll do it for free. <laughs> well, there you go. That's total respect for Mr. Hughes right there. Yeah, yeah, so... Let's go to another fan question. What do you got, Baxter? Uh, we have a, a Ben from Pittsburgh wants to know, uh, what does Mr. Hughes think of Mr. McMahon? Does he have any ill will towards him? No, Mr. McMahon, he's been, he was real good to me. I have nothing bad to say about Vince. Uh, Vince took care of me when I was in the company, and uh, he uh, looks out after me up to this day. You know, I have nothing bad to say about him. He hired me three times, so that'll tell you something about the man. He knows about talent, and... Uh, I learned a lot from him. He's a genius in this business, and uh, I love working for him. I'd like to have another opportunity to work for him again. What was your first meeting like with Vince? Like, how did you get the call to come work for WWE and meet with him and all that? Well, uh, uh, the first time, you know, when I first left WCW, you know, I sent him a letter, a business letter, and uh, let him know that I was interested in uh, trying to work for his company. Uh, and, you know, of course, I told him that, you know, he was a, a genius in this sport, and I like to learn more about the profession by working under him. And finally, uh, about oh, four months later, they gave me a call and and uh, wanted me to come up and do some business with him. And when I got there, uh, you know, I met him and J.J. Dillon. He was the booker at the time. Mm. And uh, they said that they liked what I did uh, as far as in the ring. Uh, I liked my performance in the whole nine yards. And... Uh, they wanted to run an angle with me and the Undertaker. Well, when he told me that, I was like, what? I was shocked, you know, because <laughs> in this sport, you know, to get to the big dog, you got to get in line. Right. You see? And a lot of guys were disappointed that they didn't get that opportunity. Did anyone have uh, ill will towards you because you got to work with the guys maybe uh, a little quicker because oh, of yeah. the ethic? Oh, my goodness, yes. Oh, did, yeah. Did it make it hard to coexist in the locker room with guys like that? No, because I got along pretty much with everybody. You know, I didn't walk around with my... You know, my nose in the air. I was just a down there as brother that uh, just trying to make a living, you know. And uh, no matter what they tried to do, uh, didn't nothing come to pass because, uh, you know, I handled myself pretty good because this wasn't my first rodeo, you know. Right here, yeah. And so, you know, once uh, Vince seen that uh, I was a good businessman as far as that goes, then he kept, every time I went there, he put me in the big, in the, uh, big spots, you see. Every time I went to that company, I wasn't I wasn't at no lower spot. It was always a big spot. Yeah, you always started out. They didn't build you up or anything. You were right there every right, time yeah. they brought you in. 
Yeah, because they knew what they were hiring. They knew what they were getting, see. Baxter, that's, uh, that's a big move, too, for Mr. Hughes. Most of the guys, uh, as you know, a lot of times will start off and work their way up. But Vince used them right away, man. He put them in big spots. Very nice. Yeah. Actually, I have a follow-up question from uh, OMC. He wants to know how many hours does a pro wrestler have to practice before an actual bout? Well, you know, uh, I, I didn't mention this uh, from the from the beginning, but I train guys now. Oh, uh, oh why don't you uh, give out the school then? If you are you running a school? Yeah, yeah, I'm running a school. It's called WWA Four, and uh, it's the best school in the country, I think. I produce a lot of good talent out of there. Uh, we got one guy already that's uh, getting looked at uh, by the WWF, and uh, got about 50 other guys that come through there. We get new guys probably every other week. A couple guys every other week. And uh, you can pay for three days or you can pay for two days. Come in, check it out, see what you think. And uh, the way I train, I don't kill you. I don't blow you up. I don't, you know, run you off. I teach teach how to do this stuff, and I teach it the right way. Why don't you give out the name of it again so everyone knows it? Yeah, it's called WWA4. That's in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, you can go on the web, you know, WWA4.com, and uh, you can look it up and see what, you know, all the good things we have to offer over there. We got about seven rings, nice rings. Uh we got a twenty footer, we got eighteen and a couple of sixteens, a couple of eighteens. Real nice rings. Uh we got weights there. We got a facility where you can use the restroom and uh oh, there you go. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just a nice gym, you know, and then yeah, I'm yeah. a head trainer there. There's only one trainer, that's me. And you're getting hands on from Mr. Hughes. I'm throwing all my knowledge at you so you can uh, try to get a job once you get done. Now, Mr. Hughes, you, uh, you're training guys nowadays. The business is different. Mm-hmm. Do you, I, I ask a lot of the old school guys that are even before your time, and I, it seems, this seems like nobody likes today's business, but yet still makes a lot of money, still a lot of people trying to do it. You know, other indie leagues are all over the board. Do you do you like the state of wrestling today, or or did you prefer well, it in your day? Well, it's a little different now, but the way I train, I train the way it's supposed to be. I train guys how to perform instead of getting in there and getting themselves hurt. You know, today uh, guys are doing so many different things where it's so risky now that your longevity is so limited mm-hmm. as far as how long you want to stay in the business because all that you know, you know, falling off the top of buildings and top of cages and fall on the floor with no mats, that's dangerous. Your body can only take so much, you the see. Big, the big thing today that I, I see, I am uh, I do a lot of vendor work uh, selling uh, action figure stuff at shows. I did a lot of 3PW and Blue Meanie had his thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, tomorrow I'll be at the Jersey All-Pro show uh, for Fat Frank and the guys there. Mm-hmm. The one thing I noticed from seeing all these indie things, and I wonder if you noticed the same thing, there's nobody over six foot three anymore. There's no big guys out there like in like in your day. It seems like everybody's five foot ten and, and trying to learn the TNA type wrestling. Uh, right. Do you see that still at your school a lot? Well, yeah, we get we get we get average sized guys coming in there. Uh, we get big guys. A lot of big guys come through there now. Because that know, uh, big know. guys got a good chance. Vince right. likes the big guys, and and there's not as many of them anymore. Right. You know, when they come in, you know, I set them down and I say you have a big opportunity, more than that guy over there. But you have to have your head screwed on straight. You know, we get guys coming there all the time, just got off the couch, you know, from playing <laughs> video games. They want to be a wrestler, see. And then once they get in there and figure out how hard it is at the beginning, they don't come back. 
you know, but the hardcore ones that really want to do this, they stick with it. It seems the art of the promo is long gone from wrestling, too. Like, at the beginning of our show, I played Roddy Piper screaming at Hulk Hogan from uh, the war to settle the score, and we were talking before you got on the air. Those were the days, like, when the guys would just... It, the promos are amazing. That's a big thing missing today. Do you teach how to talk at the school? Oh, too? yeah, yeah, we do that. that. That's what we do on Thursdays. On Thursdays, like I said, we have the school Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. On Thursday... We that's all we work on. We do matches and we do promos. I teach the guys how to do promos in front of a camera. Okay, we tape the match, do a promo before the match. You know, that's after that's the guys after they got trained. Most of the guys mm. have been there a while. They know how to wrestle. Not, they know how to wrestle. See, so those, those are the guys that that do this. The ones that already been trained, learn how to do this stuff. Now we have a camera there, and they stand there with the guy with the mic. He has a suit on, just like in the r- real show. And I teach them how to do promos, how to talk in front of that camera so they can learn how to sell those themselves to the people that are sitting at home watching that TV screen, see. And that's the fun thing that the guys look forward to on Thursday because that's what I really drill them in on how to talk. You know, I say, you know, The Rock made a lot of money because he knew mm. how to talk. How you are know? you really talking? Could, if you, on a dime, could you drop a, a quick promo to promote anything? You oh, could, yeah. Right, how about if I challenge you right now? This is the Three Kings show. What if I? The premise is I want you to challenge us to uh, to to be like uh, the championship show of uh, internet shows. Okay. So on the count of three, King Firehawk and Baxter Race here, uh, do your best promo on us. One, two, three, go. Let me tell you boys something. The last time I spoke with you guys on this radio, you boys tried to make me look like a piece of trash. But let me tell you this. The next time I step on this radio station, I'm going to take both of you boys, I'm going to rip your heads off and stick my fist down your dead gum neck and pull your liver out. And then I'm going to throw it at your dog and tell your dog to eat it. And then after your dog eats it, I'm going to wait for him to let it go, and then I'm going to rub it all back on your chest. If you boys don't understand what I'm saying, you better listen real good, because you're messing with total protection, Mr. Hughes. When I say I'm the man, that means I'm the meanest, the baddest, the nastiest SOB you ever going to run across. Let me tell you something, Mr. Hughes. King Firehawk and Baxter Race don't have a dog. We got a fish, and our fish is going to take out that dog you speak of. Oh, yeah. Actually, your fish is very scary. That big old <laughs> what do you think of that? Is that pretty good? Pretty good? Not too bad on the dime, you know. All right, man. I just, if, I, if I had any uh, athletic ability, maybe I could come down to that school. Yeah. yeah. All right, Mr. Hughes. Let's, let's get a couple more fan questions in, because that's what it's all about. Uh, okay. And uh, you're on FanTalkLive.com, the Three Kings show with the great Mr. Hughes. I think we're having a great time with him. Let's see what else you got for him, Baxter. Uh, Corey from East Orange wants to know, uh, do you think there's any prejudice do- towards African-American wrestlers? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, I, you know I, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I did a uh, shoot interview, a shoot interview uh, for HighSpots.com. I've seen some of it on there. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I've seen it quickly, and uh, I, I saw you covered that somewhat. And uh, it's fun. I didn't. I don't mean to interrupt, Mr. Hughes, but I, one of the things in there that I'm, I'm glad you hit towards that it was you claiming that they were going to put the WCW title on you. Uh, right. What, what, did that have anything to do with race, or, or what? Where do you What do you say about that? Well, uh, somewhat, but you know, at the time uh, when I was in WCW, you know, they had. Uh, uh, this, this discrimination shoot going on, and uh, 
yesterday I was coming in uh, to a show uh, downtown here at the center stage, and the, the uh, TV uh, station was there, and I uh, pulled in and stopped, and they asked me a few questions about uh, what I felt about the discrimination suit going on, and I said, well, you know, uh, uh, I don't know about that, but, uh, you know, I got a job, you know, and left it at that. But uh, once I left and, you know, went off and did my own thing, uh, uh, got a call from high spots, and they wanted to know if I wanted to do a shoot interview, which entitles that you get to sit and talk about whatever they ask and be honest about it. And uh, he was asking me the same question that you asked about, is there discrimination in the wrestling world? I said, sure it is. I said, because uh, if you ever look at a lot of these shows here, there's not too many of us there. But when you do, and then you got another guy out there of a different race, nine times out of ten, he's, he's going to get his hand raised, you know. And, that, you know, thank God I was lucky uh, uh, that uh, it didn't happen to me all the time, but it did in WCW, you see. Even though I was getting that push like I did, they, I was getting beat every night, hmm. you know. And when that seemed like for a while, it's the good old boys company, you know. Uh, and Vince seemed more like the northern style, you know. It, did you did you feel that way then? It was more the good old boys running the show? Yeah, pretty much, you know. But like I said, you know, Vince, he was a little different. Uh, you know, if you if you could get out there and, and get over and, and uh, make the make the man some bread, then he, he, he gave you opportunity, you know. Mm. But, uh, you know, if you were just on a low on a totem pole, you just <laughs> you were just uh, what they call jobbers. You well, let's plug that DVD. Go to highspots.com. It's a great site. I'm on there all the time. And it is a good sh shoot interview. I've seen part of it if a friend had. Uh, I was going to try and watch all of it to do my homework on you, but I, I think I did enough homework. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think you did. I think you did. You asked the right questions, and, uh, you know, I think you did a good job here. Well, let's but take uh, a couple more fan mails, Baxter, and then uh, we'll uh, have our closing with uh, Mr. Yeah, actually, Hughes. I have one more. I have uh, Dave from uh, Seattle wants to know, What's your favorite uh, wrestling match that you ever saw that didn't involve you? Oh, that's favorite a good question. Match that I saw that it didn't involve me. Yeah, like your best. Uh, yeah. Uh, let me see. Uh, my favorite match that I saw was between Harley Race and Rufus R. Jones. I don't know if you ever Rufus, heard of him. Rufus, yeah, yeah. Lord rest his soul. We was uh, he was from he 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 uh, he was in Kansas City when I started. And he was a mentor, uh, you know, and uh, he taught me the ropes. And uh, him and uh, Harley Race used to go at it a lot when I was a young kid, you know, and that's how I used to watch. I used to watch them all the time. And that that was really what influenced me to really, really want to become a wrestler because of that, because of those two guys was in there beating each other down, you know. I mean, it was just so good back then. It was so believable, you know, and it just made you want to go to see the show, you know. Mm. I think I was about, you know, nine, maybe ten at the most, you know, when I seen this. And, and then, you know, you know, fast forward a little bit and then end up wrestling the guy and working with him. I had to pinch myself a few times, yeah. you know. Cause and I that's a, a token to how well you did in the business to, to get to work with Harley Race. Yeah, yeah, you know, and that was just, you know, and I got to work with the Funk Brothers, you know, the Briscoe Brothers. Uh, I mean, I can go on and on, you know, all the guys that I got to wrestle growing up watching, you know, it was just a dream come true. I'm pretty sure people out there today uh, say the same thing, you know. Man, I'd like to get in the business and, 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 and have opportunity to meet all these people. Of course, they don't think that they're ever going to be wrestling them, you know. Mm. 
And uh, I used to ride down the highway together uh, with Harley and learn a lot from him, you know. And, uh, you know, when he first got out of uh, WWF and he was the king, Harley Race, you know, he came back home to Kansas City where he lives, and uh, he was doing independent shows, and I was doing independent shows around Kansas City and had opportunity to wrestle him, you know. And I tell you, it That's was cool. a, it was a, <laughs> a dream come true, I'll tell you. Well, it's been a good night here. We learned... From, about Mr. Hughes that had a good football career. It seemed like you had an injury-free uh, wrestling life, which is important. You definitely seem like uh, things are going good with the wrestling school. Once again, tell the fans what that wrestling school is. Yeah, it's called WWA4 down in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, you come down. I'm the head trainer there. It's the best school in the country. We got seven rings, all nice rings, nice facility. We have weights there. Uh, have a restroom facility. Uh, everything you need, you got a computer, we have everything you need to become a good superstar. We do uh, promos, we do matches, we do the whole nine yards to make you become a future superstar in the world of wrestling. So, Mr. Hughes, what's next for you now? Um, do well, you want to work uh, a full-time know, like schedule? Say, uh, what's I, going, what do you want to do? Yeah, you know, I do, uh, like I say, I, I do independence. That's all I do besides the school. I travel the country. I travel the world. Uh, overseas, uh, you know, when they call, and uh, just trying to stay busy, uh, trying to get back uh, with WWF, you know, trying to get back in there and do some business with them. Do you have any action figures that, that they, of you? Did they ever make any of you? No, no, that's what I'm trying to get oh, back. Oh, yeah, you got to sign that deal, deal so you can and, get uh, that Legends figure made. Right, I've been talking, trying to get that going, and uh, hopefully we can get that squared away. Believe me, the kids have way too many Triple H figures. They make 800 yeah, of them. They, yeah. need, they need a Mr. Hughes figure. Yeah, I've been trying to uh, get one uh, made. Uh, you know, I'm still working on it. Hopefully it'll go through. Well, Kingdom of Crazies, our fans as we call Mr. Hughes has been a great guest. I want to thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. Uh, definitely would like to have you back, man. We'll talk more about the school. Maybe if you have an up-and-coming wrestler you want to bring on, we can talk to him. But uh, I'd like to thank you very much for joining us. Hey, appreciate it. And uh, you take care, and we hope to see more from you. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Hughes. You betcha. God bless. Take, take care. care. How you doing out there? Hey, I just wanted to take a moment out there to let all you know about something very exciting going on. And that is all things going on here at 1640 PWPR. We are the official home of Pro Wrestling Podcast Radio. The network is what we are, and we've come together to bring you some of the best points of views, best shows, best talking points, best anything you can think of from the world of pro wrestling. The podcast is the new way of the future, my friends. And 1640 PWPR has it all right here. We have shows like the Ken Reedy Show, King Firehawk Podcast, Mike Ferrara Speaks, and the Top Rope Report, and so much more coming to the PWPR 1640 Network. If you are not sure where to listen or how to download, very simply, tweet us at 1640PWPR. That's at 1640PWPR on Twitter. Or go to our Facebook page. Yes, we have a Facebook page. It's a fan page. 1640PWPR. We love to have you come. Check out everything. So much news. So much shows. So much info. So many personalities. This is the home of Pro Wrestling Podcast Radio. And the home of all of you. And the wrestlers out there as well. And if that's not enough... 
there's more. We're in a talent search, so you listening out there, you think if you have what it takes to do a podcast or be a wrestling reporter or tell us what's going on in the pro wrestling world, we want you to be part of the family. So check us out on Facebook, 1640PWPR at 1640 Pro Wrestling Podcast Radio.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.